Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the broadcast. Um, we have a really fun one uh, today. And, and what I mean by fun is Jenny Carter. I think we should lead with Jenny Carter. You know, we all like bragging about her, but you know why? Because she's everywhere. Like when, when I looked up omnipresent, I, I saw that Jenny Carter's name was there because she leads VBS all over the, the state. But it's so much more than that, Jenny. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about how long you've been with the, the mission board and uh, kind of what it is that you uh, do. All right. I'm Jenny Carter. I am a next-gen consultant, kids ministry. Don't ask me about youth, okay? I'm, I'm preschool and kids ministry I've been doing this almost 10 years. August will be 10 years that I've been doing this. I am here to help equip the church and the church leaders to minister to preschoolers, to children, and to their families, and just looking for ways to help do that, um, you know, through through podcasts like this and any other way that I can be of assistance. Uh, I love visiting in the churches and just seeing where they are and how I can take them to the next level. Yeah, and Chris and I are newer to the team, so you've been a real big help to both of us um, uh, trying to help us reach the state and um, advance the gospel. And so then we have Chris. Um, I have a podcast, Trent, uh, who is killing it over in that space. Chris, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were telling me that I should listen to this podcast, and it was yours. That's a real story. Like, not making it up. Great. And, awesome. uh, and so it's really catching on. I think you know that. So tell our audience a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, so, hey, I'm Chris Trent, and I am our next-gen catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, which means uh, I get to work in both uh, student ministry world and kids ministry world, although really part of my description is just to stay, my job description is uh, to stay out of Jenny Carter's way. That's part of the deal. And so that's my goal. Uh, but honestly, I, it's awesome to get to kind of think into the both worlds a little bit. Uh, I lean heavily, though, in the student ministry world. Uh, I'm a student pastor, uh, youth pastor at heart. Uh, recently wrapped up a stint for, for about 17 years at Johnson Ferry Baptist, uh, been with the mission board now for a couple of years and really spent a lot of time traveling the state, working with youth pastors, working with churches, helping them think through youth ministry. Uh, of course, we've also got some events like uh, Super Wow and Impact and Move Conference and things like that uh, that are hopefully making a huge dent uh, when it comes to uh, the gospel uh, with teenagers. So we're doing that. We've also got the Youth Ministry Podcast for Volunteers, which is a big thing that we've been doing lately. Uh, so, yeah, man. Love yeah. That. So, yeah. And, do it, and doing it doing it really well. And so Chris has really let out and been a thought leader on our on our team. And, um, and for those of you I have not met, my name is PJ Dunn. I serve as a discipleship consultant here on our team. Uh, Scott Sullivan is our state catalyst who leads all those things. And, man, we— we love partnering together with all the parts of what we do at Georgia Baptist because uh, honestly, we just can't get to everything. And so when we were talking about this series, we were trying to come up with a like discipling the generations. And you can't you can't answer that without defining the generations a little bit. And so, um, you know, when we look at Gen Z, that student age, that sub 25 year old right now, trying to figure out who they are and how to disciple them. Uh, I, I, I mean, we couldn't help but bring you all in and want to hear from from both of you because you travel the state 
uh, but you also travel the country, you go to the differences, you're constantly learning what's new, what's out there, and both of you are lifelong learners. And uh, so, Chris, I, I want to hear from you first. Tell us a little bit about Gen Z, and then we'll dive into the topic. Yeah, you know, that's a great, it's a great question. Obviously, that's a loaded question, too, in the sense that there's, a, you know, probably a hundred different directions we could go, uh, you know, on this thing. I think one of the, you know, it's definitely easy to focus on some of the negative things related to Gen Z, you know, and there are some things that, that are really hard, uh, you know, like uh, most statistics right now are showing us that uh, this current generation of, you know, of, of teenagers and younger adults, you know, up to that like 20 something year old, that young 20 age, it's the loneliest gener generation on a record, mm -hmm. uh, which that's a real problem. You know, that's a real challenge. And, you know, my wife and I, we teach a, a parenting thing and we call it staying connected in an overly connected world because we really feel like that's part of the challenge right now is that we're so connected, but yet we feel often like we're unconnected. Like it's interesting that teenagers are more connected than ever before, but yet they're the loneliest, you know, generation on record. Uh, so that's interesting. And what's what's great about working with Jenny and Jenny and I being able to work together on this thing is she knows uh, and we know that the kids that are growing up right now, they're moving into those same type of things. They're experiencing all of those things, even though at this point, she's probably starting to work a lot now with what, what they're going to probably end up calling like the, uh, the alpha, the gen age and alpha uh, generation. And we're starting to do studies on that, you know, as well. The good news about generation Z though, uh, you know, uh, gen Z generation really would, would be that they are, uh, there's a lot of passion in a really good way for this generation when it comes to uh, how, when they're in, they're in. Yeah. Uh, so what we're seeing is uh, a lot of these, these, these teenagers, man, when they're in, when they go all in for the gospel, they go all in for the gospel. Uh, and, and that's a real uh, win. I think they're, um, and they're kind of a get it done generation as well. We're seeing, you know, when it comes to church type things, you know, they're willing to get and get their hands dirty and, uh, and, and try to make a difference there. So I, I think there's a lot to be encouraged about. Um, and a lot of folks are referring to them kind of behind the scenes as really the revival generation. I think that's uh, worth being mindful of as well, that, that this really is a generation that uh, we might see some really interesting things take place through this generation when it comes to the church, uh, when it comes to walking of the faith. Yeah. Well, and there's, man, just so much. So we're going to keep unpacking a little bit of that. So when you said the revival generation and um, like there's a, so there's a church side when you were talking that I was thinking, how does this apply in the church? And then how does this apply in the world? And and then we want to connect that worldly passion back to what Jesus calls us to. And so in the last couple of years, we saw some movements and, and social media was a part of that. And it turned into in-person movements and it turned into organizations and you're right. This generation, when they're on fire, like you can't yeah. keep them, you can't stop them. Like they, they have the passion. They're, they're not lazy. Um, and I think every generation gets like a stereotype of you're young and you haven't learned yet. I think that's, you know, some commonalities throughout history, but, but there's some distinctives here that's happening in Gen Z and, and you're right. Alpha is so early in it. We just don't really know too much about them. We're just kind of guessing. Um, so we're going to focus more on Gen Z, uh, for this. And I was talking at Reinhardt university, uh, just the other night and talking about, you know, what does it mean to be whole uh, in Christ? Because you can chase after these things of the world, but that'll never fill you. And the responses, Chris, really uh, took me off guard. Like I wasn't expecting a group that would talk. I was expecting a group that would kind of sit there and yeah. maybe not engage. But when you stop and ask a question, they're like, oh, you're going to involve me. I'm all in. 
uh, introverts yeah. or not. And I scared a couple of them. Right. But that's, that's a stereo, that that's a stereotype. Like they don't want to be involved, but they do. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a stereotype, you know, and uh, Jenny, I'd be curious, like, I, like I've definitely seen that in, in youth ministry world where I think, uh, there's a little bit of a movement, a movement to have teenagers more involved in the process. So it's not like we're just doing this for them, but we're doing this with them. Jenny, do you feel like that in children's ministry world, there's been a shift in that as well, like in kids ministry, uh, where it's not just, we're not just doing things for them, but we're involving them. They're coming alongside us. Yes, very much so. They're they're wanting to serve, even at young ages. They're wanting to help. They're yeah. wanting to serve. They're wanting to, uh, they're like, you know, tell me what I need to do. And and I will do, you know, as far as Bible reading, you know, all the things, they're, they're ready. Um, they, they very much are. I think for Gen Alpha, I think one of the things we're going to see that has changed them more than anything is obviously COVID. You know, I was talking with preschool and children's people yesterday and they were talking about how more than ever before, they're nervous about sending their kids up to youth ministry. They're like, they're not ready. And I don't think they meant spiritually, but they meant in other ways, socially. And I said, well, they lost a few years, you know, they, they lost some time there. So you know, that's going to be an, another thing that we're going to have to face with that is thinking yeah. about how we navigate that. And, and Jenny, you and I have talked about this with Harper. So Harper is nine. But if you go back to three years ago, we moved uh, from Texas to Georgia and she's on spring. Yeah. Spring break. Yeah. Spring break. When we leave Texas, she never goes back to school. She's a I kindergarten see. dropout. And, and one day she'll laugh at that. She doesn't know what that means yet, but we call, you know, you're a kindergarten dropout. And so we, she never went back to school. We had to like do all this paperwork. And, uh, and so I'm going to brag. All right. Because we, we are talking families, right? So there, there's Harper, everybody. And Aww. so she's just happy as yeah. can be. Um, and that is, uh, she must take after her mom. They just she, absolutely beautiful. praise the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord for that. that out there as an observation. We were shocked that the blonde hair happened. If I'm being honest, when she came out, I was like, Whoa, like, cause mom, mom does not, she has dark hair, but this, this picture was taken just before we left, um, Texas when the world was, was, uh, like not, not quite right, uh, in blue bonnets. All right. So that's, sure. that's the Texas thing. Right. And so, so Jenny, we came and then, and then she lost like all of that time. And then we had to play catch up on academics. We had to play catch up on relationships. Uh, Harper was an extroverted kid. So being at home alone really was hard for her mm -hmm. to not have multiple relationships. And so now we almost forget that happened when right. we're making discipleship strategies, when we're talking with people, we almost forget that it happens, but our educators don't, the school teachers are telling us, man, we still see the effects of what's going on. My wife is now a pair pro. She works with K4 and even that K4 um, is very different than they have been in the past because of some of those things they didn't learn uh, due to due to the pandemic. So let me let me let me shift it this way and and talk about one of those major differences. You know, Chris, when we were talking about uh, doing this podcast and and really drilling into one, um, talk about the relational authority. Talk about how this is different than any generation because I've made an overstatement. Like every young generation kind of has the same stuff, and you were like, well, you're wrong. And so, that's not uh, how I did that. It's uh, like exactly I said, said. Yeah. I'm going to push back that on that just a little bit is what I said. I was <laughs> sure. Not yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. Yeah. Push back on that for a second. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, yeah, I, there's a great study. I highly recommend um, Springtide Institute. They, they're doing some great work. Uh, they study kids that are religious kids, to be fair, just so you know where this is coming from. 
Meaning they're not just, but they're not just studying Christian kids. They're also studying uh, kids from other religious backgrounds as well. But that said, it still big time applies to the type of kids we work with. So when you think about the teenager today, you know, middle school, high school type students today, uh, they've coined this phrase called relational authority. And the idea of relational authority is, is that a kid is not going to give you, a, you know, like a teenager is not going to give you authority in their life unless there is a relationship there. Now, to be fair, uh, track with me here for a second. If I would have said to anybody listening before, people don't know how much, or people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We would all agree with that because intuitively we understand that, right? But there's something else that has changed. According to the stats and some of the things they point to, um, used to, even though uh, that, that might be true, used to a kid though would allow an adult of authority, especially an authoritative figure, they would trust what that adult said. Uh, they would respect what that adult said, but something has changed. And that is now, if there's not a relationship built there, there's a little bit of a pushback on, I'm not sure I can trust what you're telling me right now. So I've been blessed to, uh, to, to teach and talk about this uh, throughout Georgia in the last year. And what's been interesting, not kidding, three different times football coaches have walked up to me and said, Chris, you have no idea. Used to, I could tell a kid to run through a brick wall. And because I was the coach, they would run through the brick wall. But now something has changed. If I don't take time to get to know the kid, to build up trust with the kid, I have a harder time getting that kid to act on that. So what does that mean? Well, when you start to unpack that when it comes to discipleship and you start thinking about um, the church and the impact of the church, this is a little bit of an indictment. I know that sounds like a strong word, but it's a little bit of an indictment on this idea that, hey, we're going to do this Wednesday night thing where all of these teenagers come and and I do this thing on stage where I teach and that just uh, that's that's what it is. Well, they may come and they may enjoy it, but whether or not they're giving authority to the youth pastor or whoever's teaching, that's a different question nowadays. And what it really points back to is the importance of relationships, which means we're going to need to have more volunteers. We're going to need to have more adults in a kid's life to ultimately uh, help dictate that. So if I'm a parent here in this, especially, I'm thinking, man, say I need to be discipling my kids. But not only that, I need to make sure that my kids has, you know, they've got other folks uh, as well. What's interesting, Jenny, though, is I don't think this is, you know, in youth ministry, we're starting to go, oh. But I think in children's ministry, the idea of smaller classrooms with adults, smaller groups of kids, this is not new to y'all. Y'all have been tracking for this for a while. And um, if anything, y'all caused all of it. I'm kidding. Uh, but what, <laughs> when you hear this, how do, how do you tie that into kind of these older uh, children that are starting to move up into into teenage world? Right, right. I, I think you're right. I think we children's ministry that they've got that is about building the relationships with the kids and with the families. I think sometimes though we've we veered away from it. I mean, I, I will show my age. When I was growing up, my Sunday school teacher came to see me a minimum of four times a year. Came to my home to visit me. Now oh, these days, yeah. I, know, I know, I you know, she, she was bringing me my Sunday school quarterly. Okay, but it was a home visit. It wasn't get it at church. No. She came to visit me four times a year. I can, and that was that happened most of my childhood. So they were doing it very, very well then. But also, I knew they were a part of my life. You know, they, um, they came to piano recitals. They, you know, they did, and and that's what you know we have to encourage our leaders today. And yes, it can't just be that one person. The one person can't 
do all that. It's got to be these Sunday school teachers, these people that are with them, with them on Sundays and Wednesdays, whenever pouring into their lives. Yeah. Which, which crazy enough. Go ahead, BJ. I just, I'm having a moment. All right. So I'm having a moment. And, and that moment is. Well, you're, you're sitting with two really, really smart people, BJ. I don't doubt I'm that you're feeling it. Like I'm feeling here. I'm going to get so, smaller. I am not, I am not worthy. Okay. Of what's <laughs> happening right now. Um, Yes. If you didn't just take a note of what just happened and how you could change something in your processes tomorrow, when we stop treating our families like cattle and we actually take the time to give them the curriculum, maybe they would use it. I mean, think about the relational investment that takes. But PJ, I don't have time for that. I don't have volunteers for that. But oh my gosh, the backside of that relationship, that's not a dead concept what Jenny's telling right now. Like that is something you could implement in any size church. Well, here's the challenge, though. I think we need to make note of this, though, and, and acknowledge this out loud for anybody in a church position. Y'all know this is true. The challenge that comes with that now, though, is the definition of what is a regular attender has changed. And it's much smaller now, right, in terms of how often a, a, an adult or a family attends your church each Sunday or each Wednesday, which means we have even less time to accomplish this relational type thing. Yeah. But what what I think the way we have to unpack that though is we have to then go, okay, when it comes to my programming, I've got to make sure that I take advantage of my programming and building in moments to build relationships, not just the next big game, not just the next big uh, you know, fun illustration in kids' ministry world, whatever that looks like, but that there actually has to be, I'm getting to know you, I know about you, you know about me. There's a two-way, and then that authority can be given there. When I do training with with preschool and children's leaders, I have them get in groups and think of all of what are some things you can ask that child just to get to know them. Has nothing to do with the Bible lesson today. What are some questions? You know, they'll come up, ask them about their pets. And I always say a new one for most of them is ask them what YouTube, what, what YouTube stars are they watching? Who are they watching on YouTube? Because, you know, for most people my age it, you know they're like what <laughs> and then I tell them go home and watch it you know go home and watch those YouTube so that you can come back next week and say that was great or that was funny or why in the world are you watch you know uh, yeah find out you know where they are meet them in their world and that's totally a thing like I'm pretty sure we're gonna buy a hamster and I said I don't want to buy a hamster and it's all because Harper watched this YouTube video of one of these families who went and bought it and set it up and it was awesome and I'm like we're not going to do that. I'm just going to be honest. Well, it all came from that video. Well, that's exactly what we grew up. We grew up watching TV or we grew up doing right. activities and we got these ideas that we want to mimic it. And then we'll say, Man, I can't believe you watch online people play. And like you watch HGTV, you watch people play with their house for and their adult money. It's the same exact concept. Yeah. So don't judge your children for what they're, we're, we're all learning. And so that goes into like what we're imitating and, and who we want to imitate. So, uh, Jenny, how can church leaders disciple their child if their parent can't or won't be a part of that process at home? Yeah. Um, it, well, and sometimes it's, it's figuring out where parents are. You know, some of them don't do it because they don't know what to do. And so a lot of it is education. How do you help them do that? Um, I have several friends that uh, whatever they're doing on Sunday morning, uh, like in kids' worship, they may, uh, they'll have someone take a picture of them doing a science experiment, doing a, showing a, a whatever they're, you know, doing that day. And then that afternoon, they post it on Facebook and they'll say, hey, 
ask your child about you know whatever the picture is and how that relates to Daniel's life in the Bible and then how does it relate to your you know and so it's just continuing the conversation there's a super simple way to help bridge that for some it's giving them resources um a lot of churches these days will have a parent resource wall. Now, I've gotten some pushback on that. Some people are, yeah, we have it, but nobody ever goes to it. Well, if you don't draw attention to it, periodically say, hey, there's a great article here. You know, it. You know, they're not going to just automatically go pick things up to help that. So doing that, but also being that person, you know, if you've got that one and the parents like, I, I'm not going to do it, or they're maybe they're not Christians. They're coming from a non-Christian home. We have a lot of churches that still have van ministries where kids are coming in. And so being that person that's building that relationship with that child, letting them know, I care about you. And so then, and then helping them know uh, how to, uh, how to read their Bible every day. Like what Bible verse are you learning? Yeah. Things like that. Just, just pouring into that child. Uh, I have story after story of people who said, this is the person that poured into me. This is the person that bought me my first Bible. They came and picked me up. You know, their family came and picked me up and brought me to church and uh, helped me to know what it means to pray. You know, all the spiritual disciplines just just guiding. But we need every child needs to have somebody at church who is cheering for them, who is there for them. And uh, e- even the ones that do have their great homes. So, yeah, everybody. So find that person. If, if every church member had some child that they're pouring into, then it would help each child. And Chris, I want you to respond to that. Um, but it's also, uh, if you haven't wrote a comment uh, at this point, please take a moment and do that. Specifically, I feel like there's a Super Mario's uh, m- mushroom in the background of Jenny Carter's video. I don't know if y'all noticed that. It looks like if she jumps on it, she might, you know, grow and be able to jump really high in there. And then I want to know, is that Fantasmic or Harry Potter uh, hat in the back uh, for those of us that are judging you, Chris? Uh, that would be Mickey Mouse uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> Sorcerer Mickey. So tell us a little bit, like, when, uh, specifically, 40% of all families are single-parent households. Yeah. So when you talk about this at the church level and you served really well for years doing that. How, how do you address that? Yeah. You know, so here's the thing, man. I think, I think, a, you know, a parent discipling their kid, I, I get that there are unique challenges, obviously to single parent households. Um, uh, I, I like to say, I get to say this now, since I'm not working directly for a church. Um, and if you put, if you put a hundred kids in a room, hundred teenagers that like just graduated high school, let's say into their freshman year, of college and all hundred of these kids are, uh, are walking with the Lord in a way where we would all be like, man, they get it. They have an authentic walk with Jesus. They're still faithful. They like to go to church. They want to be a part of God's word, all of that. I think what we don't like to talk about a lot, and we probably should talk about more is if you show me a hundred kids like that, I will show you a huge majority of those kids that have parents, whether that's one parent or two parents. Uh, that have authentic walks with Jesus. Now, I'm leaving room for outliers. I get that there are outliers. I'm an example of that. My parents were not believers, unchurched, you know, growing up. I was an exception to that rule. Um, I know that there are kids that have godly parents that are wayward, right? But generally speaking, though, you put you, you put a group of people together that they get it. It's going to be because their parents have authentic walks with Jesus, right? 
Yeah. So what I'm more interested in when we were talking about this kind of thing, whether that be a single parent or, you know, multi, whatever, um, I'm interested in parents that have authentic walks with Jesus. Because to me, we can, you know, Jenny and I can recommend resources all day long. Adults can, you know, the church pastors can recommend resources all day long. But what you cannot replace um, is, is, is having a parent that genuinely is walking with the Lord, both a mom and a dad. Um, so I like to key in on that a lot of times when we're talking about discipleship. And I think a lot of times when it comes to a lot of folks that are probably listening to this, it's not always so much, hey, what thing can I give parents to do a better job as much as it is, how can I have parents that authentically love Jesus? Because it's out of that walk with the Lord that kids are ultimately going to develop that same passion for Jesus, you know, if their parents have that. So I think that yeah. part's huge. Yeah. And we talked about this with um, technology and the family and, you know, churches will call and we'll all go to try to help them with that. Um, and, and really it comes down to what are you modeling? Like mom, yes. mom, dad, parent, like really it's, how do you use technology? Your, your shame is not a motivator. So yelling at your kid and saying that you shouldn't do, doesn't work. And then you're mad at them and you're on your phone texting about how mad you are at them. And, and so there's some things that you can set up, right. That, that yeah. can make that differently. And, and, um, and pastors, bivocational pastors that are watching, you know, we're, we're clued in on this because we really want to get it right with the next generation. And it's not all hope is lost, but there is a little bit of a slowdown to go fast. And, and, you know, Jesus did slow down with 12, but he slowed down even more with three to really dive in and dig in and have that relationship that really went further. And so it's not like this is uncommon to us, but we're kind of annoyed that we have to slow down. We want people to get it faster. Chris, but you can't manufacture um, an authentic relationship, an authentic friendship. Um, you just know it when you see it. You know it when you when somebody really cares about you, right? They do certain things, and and so, um, gosh, I just I, when I'm hearing this, I know it's nothing new, but it but it's almost harder. We're almost asking people to to really do something harder. Is that are y'all hearing it that way too? Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, I would circle back to the question you asked Jenny a couple of questions back where you asked, hey, what do you do with that family or that kid? What do you do for that kid who doesn't have parents that are necessarily all in on this thing? Right. So what I think it I, I, I don't know that it's harder as much as I would say it challenges the way we program. And I think it should challenge how we define success. So meaning I think we've got to look and make sure what do you give that what do you give that kid? whether that's an elementary school kid or a teenager that doesn't have a, a, a parent or parents that are walking with the Lord. Yeah. Well, you want to make sure that you're giving them programming. That is more than just, boy, they came and they had a good time. Like it's got to be deeper than that. There's got to be a relationship tied to that uh, where there is an adult that has. So a lot of that would even be focusing on our volunteers, making sure that, man, each year we are key to not just to whether or not you show up, not just if you're trained to do a good job, but whether or not, we're actually shepherding you and helping you to walk with the Lord. Well, I think that part's huge. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Jenny? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think back to the stories of, of I remember I served on church staff for over 24 years. And one of my favorites was the last few years, we had a, a group of boys who, you know, a family in our church went and picked up every day and, or every Sunday, every Wednesday. Our church, different ones, but one of them we realized um, was great at like percussion. 
we had a church member that donut gave him his own set of drums. You know, we we had uh, another one that paid for him to get lessons. Uh, you know, and then we made sure. Uh, our, our worship pastor was the one that realized what his love was and, and how he had a talent for it. And he gave him opportunities to serve. But we wanted him to know, you know, no matter what talent the Lord's given you, you can use it for him. But just seeing people pour into them, like I said, picking them up, paying for their their um, camps, just, yeah, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Just building those relationships with them. Yeah, but we're we're gonna land the plane on this final this final question, uh, just to kind of get y'all's uh, opinions and and um, man, as we're talking, I think in about um, um, Caleb, and so Caleb um, is a, a kid who accepted Christ at a D now is one of the counselors. He was the only kid that accepted Christ in 2020 at this D now big group of people. It was just a very hard year to do those kind of events, and so Caleb and I get to know each other, and the first thing we do is strike a friendship. And, and the person who actually discipled him and mentored him was a completely different person. It was a completely different process. He was in a class. He had all those people, but Caleb and I stayed connected. And genuinely, I just wanted to be a friend. And I didn't know what I'm doing. Y'all are the gurus. Like really, like students just kind of scare me a lot of days. Like I'm not sure what the street use are going to do. All right. I work with adults. And so when they herd together, I get scared. So now that I'm just friends with one of them, I, I lean in a little bit. Well, now Caleb's graduating this year. I got the graduation card. I've stayed in touch with his mother and, and just kind of some encouragement. How can I pray for you? Not scripted, but just every once in a while. And like Caleb's part of our lives. And, and I think that's the friendship we're talking about. We're talking about doing something that's a little bit like you can't do that for everybody, but maybe you can do it for one as uh, as one leader said. Uh, so, uh, man. Okay. So tell me about uh, what are those first things we can do in that discipleship uh, process? Jenny, I'll have you go first. Like, what's what's that first step in discipleship uh, for process for kids look like? Um, for some churches, according to the size of the church, a lot of churches have a new Christian class mm. um, where they're, um, you know, they'll have the kids come in. They they walk through. Okay, this is what a Christian is, and and it's typically an activity book. Some churches, probably a lot of the people are walking watching to, are not thinking, okay, well, I don't, I only have like two children, you know, a year that are making this decision, and, but there's great books that you can walk through. And so it can be a one-on-one -on -one thing. If you think the parent will walk through that with them, I've done that many times. I would never just give the book to the child. I would make a point to get the child and the parent together and say, here is a great book for you to begin walking through with your child. Y'all do it together. Um, if I didn't feel like the the parent would walk through that with them, then I would either take on that role one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but then there were times that that didn't work, and so there were times that I would pair them up with somebody in the church, and I said, would you start the discipleship process with this child? Y'all find a time to come, you know, hour earlier on Wednesday and walk through this together and things like that. So, yeah. We can over-systematize that relationship part of it and, and yes. it almost neutralizes that. So yeah, Chris, um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I think if I were, if I were to show up to anybody's church and they wanted, you know, they wanted to make, how can we do a better job with discipleship for our teenagers? I think what I would do first is I would just do an honest evaluation of our programming and, and ask ourselves, okay, what is the most important thing that we're doing right now in our mind? And is that the thing that's building discipleship moments? 
Um, and if that thinking is still sort of in that 90, early 2000s thinking of, man, we just, we need to have a big Wednesday night gathering type thing. I think acknowledge that maybe that's not the best recipe for truly discipling a kid. Um, and so start to rethink, okay, well, how are we doing Sunday school slash small groups? Is there a space in that to make it not just about, hey, show up, I read from this curriculum and teach you this thing, but rather we start to look at our volunteers and go, hey, how can you pour into their lives? How can you share life with them and try to create moments that lead to that? Along with that, I would take a look also even at some of our bigger events that we do like, um, and I would, I think it supplies the children's ministry as well, like with PBS, but like um, youth camp or a youth mission trip or a youth conference thing that we go to and maybe shift our thinking just a little bit that that is not the end game and what happens at that is not the end game, but rather that is the launching pad into building relationships out of that. So it's what we do with the things that take place at camp after that, from a relational standpoint, that that ultimately are going to matter, uh, matter big, you know? So I think that'd be a great place to start. Yeah. We, um, um, we're doing a, a broadcast on how events that can be relational focused and what yeah. events that help us do discipleship, because the, the big event is fun and it's fun to see a lot of people there and that moment's over, but that relationship that you can build out of that event, man, that's what changes the world. So, right. and thank both of you for coming on today. Um, uh, Chris, tell us about the podcast again. How can we get that? Yeah, so uh, Youth Ministry Podcast for Volunteers. If you search that on any uh, big podcast thing, uh, you could definitely get there. If you go on to georgiabaptist.org uh, and find Next Gen on there, you could you could link to it from there also. Uh, but it is a podcast designed specifically for volunteers. Uh, we think it's the only one out there for that. Uh, and it, we keep them short. We try to do about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, they're all of these topics like, uh, topics are like, uh, how to get that kid in your group to talk that never talks or how to get that kid in your group that talks too much to be quiet. Uh, those are two episodes that we've actually recorded, right? You know, uh, so um, so definitely uh, that'd be that. And I would just say, as we hand it off to Jenny here, uh, man, we're here for you. Uh, and and if I can ever help anybody, man, just you, you can find me uh, on gabaptist.org and, and I'll ha- I'm willing to have a conversation, try to help anybody. But uh, yeah, it's great. Yep. And uh, for kids ministry people, if you want to jump on our Facebook group page, it's Georgia Baptist Kids. Um, We have lots of great interaction. It's a place to ask questions and get questions answered and just make new friends. It's a great Facebook page. They all they all actually they actually all act like they've got sense on it, too. It's not one of those like ridiculous Facebook groups, you know, talking about where people are like divisive and stuff. Like, it's actually really good. They help each other out there. It's awesome. Bill Seen, are you talking about? No, he's not talking about <laughs> But yeah. Um, the discipleship uh, one. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the, uh, I want to give one final shout out to your team, which is um, we had a leader. His name Kel- is Kelton. Um, and Kelton reached out to Jenny Carter and said, how can we help move the needle in discipleship in our church? How can we help our kids? Because they're experiencing revival, much of what we've talked about on this broadcast today. And so through us tag teaming together and going out and preaching and teaching and using Spark as one of their next step opportunities to get some training. I mean, this church that had maybe three kids now has over 30 and they are, they are just going and it's just in plain, plain vol. Georgia. I think it's Plainville, Georgia, Plainview. There's two. I mean, Georgia's hard. And so uh, Northwest Georgia, and they're just doing great. And so that's where we can help. So so don't be afraid to reach out to any of our consultants because we work as a team together to help 
you get that next win. And so thank you to the cooperative program that you give to that allows us to be able to do things like this, to invest in churches and to help uh, serve churches uh, to advance the gospel. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.